It's great to be back with you, Well of Life. Wasn't, wasn't that amazing? I so enjoyed the worship. I, I always enjoy having our announcements. They kind of uh, Laurel and Hardy moments for me, and it helps me kind of retain those things uh, and remember them because sometimes they just kind of slide past you with things being what they are. But uh, why don't I share with you what I have today? Let me start by saying this. What I have today is actually impacting my life quite deeply. And so what I'm sharing is quite personal because it's what God's doing in my life. And I'm trusting that as I share this, God brings revelation into your life. It is the Word of God. It is alive. And it addresses our deepest, deepest needs. Next week, the church celebrates Pentecost. And the first Pentecost was quite similar in some ways to kind of what we're going through today. It was a, a bunch of people who were locked away in a room. There was anxiety. There was concern. There were fears. Uh, while there was no social distancing, they, they were still by themselves. And I can imagine that they've been waiting for the promise of Jesus because there was a command, go wait. And as they waited, can you imagine day 40, day 45, day 48, day 49, perhaps the enthusiasm was waning. Perhaps they were beginning to lose heart. Maybe there was the one energizer bunny in the room who was saying, no, 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 let's wait. Don't give up. Don't give up hope because the promises of God are true. And you can see that that person would have been the one who was eager to see what was coming. But how is this relevant to us today? Well, you'll have to wait 20 minutes or so just to find out. Let me just pray with you before we start. Father, as we, as we come before you today, still our hearts. Let everything fade and your word stand out strong and clear. Let there be clarity, Lord. Speak to us. We open our hearts, we open our ears, and we invite you into our homes, into our hearts right now, in Jesus' name. A few weeks ago, I shared a devotional from Psalm 33, and uh, I keep going away from that. I love exploring scripture. I've been reading several books at the same time, but somehow I'm drawn back to this scripture over and over again. And over the next short while, I just want to share with you three questions that I felt God asking me from this text. And I believe that God is preparing me for something. I, pre I believe He's preparing us for something. Now, I'm not too certain what that is. I wish we could say with absolute certainty, this is what tomorrow is going to look like. We don't, and I don't. But I want to be like the wise virgins in the parable of Jesus, and I want to be ready. Whatever it is, I want to be ready for when God moves. And uh, I don't see myself as uh, deeply prophetic in any way. That's not my primary gifting. But I do know this. Even as I hear God, in much the same way that most people do, I want to prepare my heart and say, Lord, whatever it is, I want to be ready. I want to be ready to respond to what you are doing. And having said that, I believe there are certain things God is doing and showing me. And I feel that... It would be good to share these with you because it lends context to this text and how it impacts me and my preparation for tomorrow. Here's some of the things I feel that are going to be happening. I feel that God is preparing the world for an outpouring of new wine. And we must pay attention to the wineskin that is to contain it. I feel that this almost enforced sabbatical time is an opportunity for preparation. Not through our own wisdom and strategies, but in seeking the face of God and asking for His wisdom. I feel that we are entering into an age of shared priesthood. 
Now, this is not to say that we're not already declared priests because God declares that over us. He says that we are a royal priesthood. But it does mean that we don't just use cliches and say that, you know, the church is not a building. I am the church. But we actually begin to live that out in meaningful ways. I do feel that the architecture of church will look different and the spiritual landscape will be dotted with small, faith-filled, spirit-empowered, word-based people living out the call of Jesus and impacting communities. That's you and I, folks. We need to do this and carry the message of the gospel into our communities. And how do we prepare ourselves for that? I feel that God is raising a new wave of leaders from the most unusual circumstances. They're not the kind of leaders that you and I would normally expect to see. They're the ones that God is preparing. They might well be those people who, these are simple fishermen, but they've been with Jesus. And this might be the time that God is telling you, I'm going to change the trajectory of your life. There's something I'm doing in you. You thought this was the way forward, but I'm going to do something different. I'll be listening to that and I'll be ready to respond. If God says, no, I want you to go this way, I'll be ready for that. Holding that intention. These are some of the questions that I believe God is asking. I'm just reading to you from Psalm 33. I'm reading from verse 16. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. I love the way that psalm ends. It's almost like a blessing pronounced upon his people. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. So some of the questions I have, here's the first one. What are you trusting in? The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. Today we see governments at a loss. Institutions that we trusted or looked to as socioeconomic safeguards are at a standstill. The people we look to, the ones we expect to lead the way, are themselves lost. Some of the world's greatest economies are falling apart. Some of the world's greatest military structures are helpless in the face of an invisible enemy. Some of the world's greatest think tanks and research institutions have no solutions. Even the church was caught by surprise. There was no clear prophetic warning and we are left with many questions. Those people and institutions that we thought were unshakable are shaken. In an article presented recently in the Guardian newspaper by uh, former Supreme Court Judge Lord Sumption, I hope I'm saying his name right, he points out some of the negative effects of the way in which the British government has handled this crisis. And he states there that a thriving economy of the kind we are now throwing away is the source of our security and the foundation of our children's future. Friends, of course we want a thriving economy. Of course, good social benefits are important to us. And a great education system, needless to say, is a must for us. But is that truly the source of our security today, my friends? Is that where we draw our security from? I dare say that our security must lie in the fact that when everything around us is changing, God remains unshakable. And we put our faith, the full weight of our trust, 
upon him. What are you trusting in today, my friend? Even for our children, is their security, is their future in the hands of the state entirely, or is it primarily in the fact that we are called to lead them in the ways of God? The way we lead our homes, the way we lead our families in these times, that is what would determine a good future for our children. What are you investing in your children over this time? Friends, I'm, I'm convinced that God is bringing us to a place of complete and utter, utter dependence on Him. It would be unwise for us to recognize that today. He alone is unshakable. He alone is unchanging. And when this pandemic blows over, as it surely will, the question is, where will your trust lie? Do we want to go back and put our faith and wait on those things that have let us down? Or do we want to be found trusting in Jesus and ready to demonstrate that to a world looking for hope? The second question I have for you today is found from verse 18 to 19, 19 in that passage. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love, that He may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. So the question to you today is, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Three of the commonest fears that people face. The fear of loneliness, the fear of death, and the fear of failure. Many people live their lives trying to lay these fears in some form or another. I'm not saying, friends, that we throw away caution and common wisdom. That's not what I'm saying here. Rather, what I'm genuinely trying to find is, the first thing is, do we spend so much time trying to shield ourselves from these fears that we fail to step fully into what God has for us? And the second question I'm asking myself, could we possibly be ignoring God's call on our lives because we are afraid? What are you afraid of? This is a time of turmoil and anxiety for many. And I do not want to diminish the very natural concerns that you and I face today. This may be the first time that you're going through something like this in your lifetime. It's the first time you may be seeing the world gripped by anxiety and fear. But friends, if you look at this from a historical perspective, the world has been through wars, been through economic failures, been through plagues, and much, much more, and has always regained its sense of equilibrium. It always comes back. But I am convinced that in these times, God is moving and is busy preparing those people of His that He has called out to present to a world lacking hope a picture of what hope looks like. And through Jesus, you and I are meant to present that to our communities and those around us. I, I, I enjoy a book by a man called, let me get his name right, Charlie Mackesy. I hope I'm pronouncing these names right. It's a book called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And it's a series of conversations, and you get this one moment when the boy turns to the mole and he asks this, imagine how it would be if we were less afraid. Imagine how it would be if we were less afraid. Perhaps this is the time to focus on our view of God. This is my desire to please God and be in the center of His will, override any anxiety or fear that I have. Friends, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage we move forward in spite of the fear. And the promise here is that when we fear, his, when we fear God, His eye is upon us. His eye today is upon you. A wholesome, reverent, and revelation-based view of God 
can cause us to step forward in remarkable courage and allow our lives, our lives to align themselves with what God is busy doing. And I know this, that when we step into the pathways of God, we find provision there. Psalm 65, 11 says this, You crown the year with your bounty and your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. Friends, may that be true for us today. I pray that over you as a blessing. May the Lord crown your year with bounty and your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. I love that picture of wagon tracks. Reminds me of these old uh, Western movies we watch where you see as the wagons go, the, the road is rutted and there's a groove in it. It's a well-worn path. Friends, God is calling us to follow him in this path. And finally, the third question to you. What are you waiting for? Verses 20 to 21 says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He's our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Friends, in conversation with people, I hear things like, I'm just waiting for things to get back to normal. Can't wait to get back to my routine. I can't wait to go back on holiday again, to go traveling again. I just can't wait for things to get to normal. And to some extent, we're all holding our breath and waiting until we can get back to the normal routine of life, whatever that looks like. But I personally doubt that the world will go back to being what it was like before the pandemic. After large-scale events of this nature, the world doesn't just return to its former state. Things always change, and many times for the better. New ways of conducting business, policies and practices of governance change. Innovation takes place, whole new opportunities and businesses rise out of moments like this. I'm convinced that, these, that one of these opportunities will be that the church will once again be seen as a meaningful, relevant, and influential institution in society. Do you and I want to be a part of that? Are we allowing ourselves to let God prepare us for that? This might well be the time when God is shifting your life a little bit and saying, my boy, here we go new direction for you. I want you to start that business. I want you to be involved in that. I want you to invest in that. And it might be entirely different to what you envisaged for your own life. Be wise in hearing what God is doing. Wait on God. Don't wait for normal. Wait for what God is doing and step into that. I don't need to be a prophet to recognize that the world is changing so rapidly these days. But there's an opportunity for us here. Do we wait and see what God is doing and where He's leading and we follow that. Or do we just want to go back to what was? I want to be ready to follow God. I want to be sure that these three questions are addressed and settled in my heart. Because I want to be ready to respond. When that new wine is poured out, I want the wineskin of my life to be ready to receive that. To change and allow that to mold me to the way that God intends Coming back in closing to what I said right at the top. Why is this moment in history that we call Pentecost so relevant to us today? I'm not talking about the profound significance of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But rather the changes that took place. Some of those are these. Out of that moment there arose a people who were emboldened and empowered. Out of that moment the message of the gospel came into the hands of Everybody. No longer was there a group of selected individuals, those who are educated, who said this is within the range of our purview. You know, this gospel was available to everyone. And there was a group of people who loved Jesus, just sharing good news. Historical worship and gathering moved from one temple location to houses and homes. 
across the nation. My friends, God is moving. The biggest change, worship moved from the external to the internal. It was no longer about what we did and where we went and what we cut, what we waved, what we sacrificed. It was about the posture and attitude of our hearts and saying, Lord, my life is the sacrifice I bring and lay down before you. If you, like myself, friends, want to be ready for whatever God he will do next, then honestly ask yourself these three questions. What are you trusting in? What are you afraid of? And what are you waiting for?